following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. If you've been tuning in to this program for a while, listen to a few of the shows, you might remember that what I'm trying to do here is to bring you guests who are meaningfully connected to their work and ask them to describe how they got there, what do they like about it, what do they love about it, all those kind of good things. I also bring on authors who have written about the world of work in a way that I think makes sense or I align with or I think somehow complements what I have to say. And I have hopelessly loved serving as your host as part of my job is to find guests who I think you'd enjoy hearing from. So that makes me something of a constant rover for talent. I never know where and in what conversation I'll discover a great prospect for you. So over the last few weeks, we've heard from Kimberly Davis, who is the founder and director of a company called Onstage Leadership. And she's all about connecting people to the best of who they are, challenging her audiences to consider what they need to do on a personal level to authentically and powerfully bring their best selves to the work for real results. And then Annette Anderson described her rise from nursing to a very successful healthcare executive only to discover that that wasn't all it was all cracked up to be. So being an executive isn't what she thought it was going to be. So she embarked on a new career as a spiritual teacher. So she narrated how she recognized her epiphany or calling to this new line of work and then the path she walked to develop her new career. Amazing interviews, both of them. And then last week, for those of you tuned in, you got to hear from author Dan Chabelle. Uh, Dan Schauble, excuse me, is how you say his last name. Dan is the founder of WorkplaceTrends.com, which is a research and advisory membership service for forward-thinking human resource professionals. He's also the managing partner of Millennial Branding, which is a Gen Y research and consulting firm. And if that weren't enough in his young 31 years, he is also the author of Promote Yourself and Me 2.0. So he gave some of his own past history of developing his early career and gave us many pearls of wisdom from what he's learned in his, his various um authorship and membership advisory service. So this week, we are going to be curling up with Allie Teagues, who is the education director for Window on a Wider World, or I love this, WOW for short. WOW utilizes a unique collaboration partnership of educators, arts, science, and cultural organizations, and now serves 30 school districts in Texas. Real fast before we bring her on, how I met this lovely lady was both of us were participants in a program last year called Leadership Texas, which is run by leadership women here in Dallas. That is how I found her. I thought she was amazing, had a great story to tell, and wanted to bring her on the show. Allie, welcome. 
Thank you, Elise. I'm delighted to be your guest and to share with listeners that it's never too late to begin a career with something you believe is making a positive impact in the lives of others and making the world a better place. I am the executive director of the nonprofit, as Elise said, WOW, dedicated to enriching the education of Texas Panhandle students through arts, science, and cultural experiences. So thank you. Oh, my gosh, you're so welcome. I've been looking forward to this. I think there are so many listeners out there, Allie, who could really appreciate and relate to your story. And maybe we'll find some hope in that right now they're doing other things, whatever it might be in their lives, whether it's raising children of their own or maybe they're working on something else in their family business because they feel like they need to. But your story, I think, really helps us remember that, you know what, it's never too late to go after our dreams. And if you focus on them and prioritize you can get there. I think that, for me, is the message that I get from your journey. So I have, a, I have a lot of questions to get us into that. So are you ready for number one of 368? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start here with a little bit of that wonderful history. I loved my time with you here in Dallas when we were talking about this, and I got a better understanding of just really what all you went through to get yourself to where you could even start your career. So will you narrate a bit of the path of how you got into your work? I, I know you had met your husband in college and opted to start and focus on raising your family then. Um, would you kind of sketch for us those early years before you decided to go to college and start your career? Sure. My story began in Montana, where I was born and raised. And since I was eight years old, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Gould, inspired <laughs> me. She made learning so much fun. I knew then that when I grew up, I wanted to be a teacher and be a dynamic teacher. Education was always an important factor in my family. My parents advocated getting a good education and always giving my best at whatever I chose to do. So after high school, I went off to college and began pursuing a degree in education. And my junior year of college in 1970, I met my husband, Steve, who was a farmer rancher in southern Idaho, and we married six months later. After a year of marriage, I was ready to either finish my degree or start a family. Well, <laughs> we decided to start a family, and I put my education on hold. Our first daughter, Holly, was born in 1972. Second daughter, Tammy, was born in 1973. And third daughter, Krista, was born in 1974. I had three children under the age of three, but it was wonderful. I was a stay-at-home-on-the-farm mom, and I gave <laughs> my energies in doing my best as a mother. So focusing on my family was of paramount importance to me. I grew up with wonderful parents who were very involved in our family life, and I saw the validity of being a stay-at-home mom with my mother and how hard she worked and took such good care of our family and how wonderful she and my dad were together as parents. So my parents instilled in me not just getting the job done, but getting the job done well. And I knew that to be a good parent, I wanted to give it everything as it had been modeled to me. I wanted to give my children the best opportunities for education, valuable experiences, family life, work, athletic activities, church youth groups, music, and virtually everything that would enrich their lives and help them realize the value of all of that. 
Well, and you didn't just have three three daughters. You had three gifted and talented daughters, if I recall, right? I did. So how did that happen? Tell us about that. I think it's amazing <laughs> to have one, let alone all of them. Well, you know, Elise, when you think about your children and exposing them to enriched experiences, and I know part of that is genetics, there's music and artistic talent on both sides of the family. So uh, what can I say? Uh, exposing them to those enriched experiences and then nurturing those talents as they grew up was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine, Allie, that you took that mindset of education probably completely to the hilt with your own children, right? You were the, probably their constant st- instructor as well. But I can uh, also imagine that, you know, the demands of three gifted and talented children, a lot of activities, a lot of things going on, you really were a complete, f- completely focused stay-at-home mom. You'd have to be. I was. I was. No regrets there. I would advocate that for anyone. Um I know sometimes that it's hard for a person to, you know, in their married life to just have one working and one stay at home. But those are the decisions you make as a couple at the time. And it was valuable to us, and I'm glad that I got to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, before we get into your decision to come back to the workplace, I think for the listeners out there that are feeling they're in that mode, maybe that you would have been all those years ago, focusing on your children, but still in the back of your mind, or maybe in the forefront of your mind, thinking about what they want to do ultimately for a career or other life goals that they have. How did you keep those things mindful like that? How, 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 what was that process and what did it feel like for you at that time to have your focus on your children, but still know that at some point you, were, you had a career you're going to go after? Right. Well, I was raised with really strong Christian values, and married couples become one, uh, you know, like it says in Genesis and in in Ephesians. And so I nurtured my husband's dreams and goals, and I put mine on the back burner. But I knew someday I would take that up again. But my focus was on raising children. I had one chance to be a good mom, and I wanted to give it everything I had. Mm-hmm. You are so crisp about that, Allie. How how lucky and wonderful your three daughters are, I know. And I, I, don't, I haven't met them yet, but I hope for the chance. Um, how about pictures sometime, huh? I would love <laughs> that to would be a that. start. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into that decision now. I One of the things I really want to make sure that my listeners could hear from you is the process that you went through you to make your decision to start your journey. Tell us first how you decided to come back in the workplace and what was going on for you in, at that time. What was the process like for you? Sure. Well, my 20-year marriage was in a crisis, and I realized that I never had the support from my husband for my dreams and goals, and it was during that time that I began working in a nearby university bookstore and had an opportunity to continue with my education. My children were graduating from high school with honors and scholarships and were well on their way to their college degrees, and my parents were very supportive, and my life took a definitive focus toward academia, staying connected with my children and holding strong to family values and completing my BA degree. Three of us were in college at the same time. You can imagine what life was like trying to juggle work and study and family. It was one day at a time for me, but my goal was in mind. Mm-hmm. 
And how did you keep it so crispy? And I, I mean, I, I'm one of those weirdo people, Allie, that I do make my resolution list every single year. In fact, it's it's staring at me right now on my wall. And I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of bucket it according to professional, social, um, family, intellectual, all kinds of different things. And so I think of myself as a pretty focused person. And I, and I do consider things down the way. But it seems to me that your focus is incredibly riveted. You have a, an ability to really hold a long-term focus. Can you speak to that? Where did that come from, and how did you maintain that? Good question. Uh, I believe the value of a good education was instilled in me, and I always held on to the dream of becoming a teacher. And the timing was right for me to pursue that dream. It was truly a blessing that my work at the university bookstore allowed me to take classes with tuition waivers. And I, I just put my nose to the grindstone and enrolled in classes toward obtaining that BA in education. I look back and I think it was an exciting time of life for me in my early 40s. It felt so good to be in academia and to be using my brain again like that. I truly enjoyed my classes and the professors. And you know, I believe as an older student, there are many experiences and ideas that we bring to the classroom that younger students appreciate, those real-life experiences that make connections to learning. I couldn't agree more, Ellie, because I do teach many, many adult learners. They're anywhere from their 30s to sometimes their 70s, and many of them have been through the armed force services, and, you know, they've, these people have had a whole entire life they bring back into the classroom. I could not agree more with that. And, and for me, I didn't go, but I didn't start college till I was 24, and in some way have been going through school until I was into my, my early 40s, too. So I completely understand and resonate with that comment as well. Yeah. But, but what about the motivation piece? One, one of the things, when you said you was, felt great, great to use your, your brain again and such, but do you, did you feel, did you have that wind at your back like, it's my turn now? How, yes. I just am fascinated with the, with the motivation piece that you must right. have experienced. And that's a good way to state it, Elise, that the wind mm-hmm. was at my back. Getting started, restarted, I should say, was simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It just was a paradigm shift. I visited the registrar, I gathered the information I needed to move forward, enrolled in the classes that I needed to complete, and I was on my way. I had kept my transcripts and records, and I encourage anyone in similar circumstances, if you're contemplating higher education to complete a degree or wanting to obtain another degree, it is vitally important to maintain those records. And my parents and children were very supportive, and that meant the world to me. So that was the wind at my back. Mm. Well, let's talk more about that education, because it's not like you just went out there and got a bachelor's degree. You, you have <laughs> at, at least one bachelor's degree and a master's degree. Is that right? Clarify for me what you have. Uh, two masters. <laughs> Why? Why just go with one? Right. Oh, my. <laughs> So I have pursued a good amount of education, and um, I believe you asked me at one time what drove me to do this, and that's such a good question. But first of all, I wanted to be the best teacher I could be, and to do that, I knew it would take a master's degree. So I began working toward a master's the first year of my teaching career by taking extra classes, conferences, summer courses, online classes. And then I began thinking about education administration. 
So here I am in Idaho, and the criteria in public education in Idaho requires five years in the classroom before you're eligible to become an administrator. So my plan was to finish my master's degree at the University of Idaho by applying for an administrative internship, which was awarded to me. I was blessed. I greatly enjoyed that year I spent in Moscow, Idaho at the University teaching two different classes to aspiring teachers. One of them was Strategies for Teaching and Education Psychology. So it was a very rewarding experience, particularly since I had, you know, quote, been in the trenches as an experienced classroom teacher and also as a parent having raised children. So the authenticity of those aspects brought thought-provoking discussions and real-world issues to the table with the students in the classes I taught. My master's thesis was the integration of fine arts in the curriculum, and my research for that thesis was obtained in schools in Montana, Washington State, Idaho, and Arkansas, (laughs) and a copy of that can be found on our website. WindowOnAWiderWorld.org. But after obtaining my MED, I had more credits than I needed. So my advisor, Dr. Gary Delka, encouraged me to think about applying those additional credits toward an education administrative specialist degree. So I decided to go for it, and thankfully I was offered an administrative internship in a beautifully forested school district within a two-hour drive of the university. And that internship was a paid position, and I was to be their fine arts and literature grant facilitator. I managed grants from the Annenberg Foundation and the J.A. and Catherine Albertson Foundation that year. It was a win-win situation, and I just felt blessed. I think it was a God thing. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you. I, I'd like to hear a bit more about how you chose that thesis. I mean, I, I have written a thesis as well and and, I, and, a, and a dissertation, and there's the process of choosing just what you're going to write about. You better love it, right? So clearly there's a connection for you. How did you, how did you find that thesis? I think the thesis came through my experience as a classroom teacher, I knew that to make learning fun and engaging my students on concepts that they needed to master, I had to make it creative. Okay. So I I implemented learning stations. I used technology. We did lots of hands-on projects and science and math. And through all the curriculum, I wanted it to be fun and engaging for my students. And that's truly how I chose that thesis. It just came as a natural offspring of what I had already experienced in the classroom with my students. That is gorgeous, Allie, and a perfect way to cue us up for a break here. I I think that all of us who've been learning on the other side love to hear our teachers talk like you have. Um, I've been on the air with Allie Teagues, who is the Education Director of Window in a Wider World. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We'll learn more about what she's doing in her actual current role after the break. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. I'm here with Ellie Teeks, who is the Executive Director. I mistakenly said Education Director earlier. Forgive me. She's the Executive Director at Window on a Wider World. Before the break, I was asking her to tell us about her earlier focus on raising her family and then just what she was getting, what she went through to get her college degrees. And she was talking about her thesis, et cetera, which is fascinating, which really was the launch point into the work that she does today. So, Allie, let's pick up where we left off there. And I, I want to hear, so you talked about that first position that you got after you, after you graduated, which is just a perfect setup for what you do today and have been doing for a while. Take us where we, where we left off. Okay. I believe that I was the grant, where we left off was I was the grant facilitator for yes. a school in central Idaho. And then how I ended up in Texas? <laughs> well, I get asked that question quite often, and truly <laughs> I stumbled on this job opportunity online. Just prior to me coming here to Amarillo, I was the education consultant for Door Achievement Centers that's based in England, uh, although they had offices here in the United States. But after six months with that company, my consultancy with Door was gone due to downsizing of the company. Haven't we heard that before? Yes. So within two weeks, I discovered an opportunity on the East Coast, the West Coast, and in Texas. All three job opportunities were interesting, but the one that really caught my attention was the one in Texas. A new performing arts center was looking to hire someone to develop and create a children's education program. You know, when I saw that, Elise, I thought, this is too good to be true. (laughs) It was an opportunity that just fit my education, my research, my experiences, and my passion. So what did I do? 
I prayed about it. And I applied, and I was granted an interview. One thing that never was discussed in the process, though, was salary and benefits. So this, too, was a matter of prayer for me. And I knew that it had to be X amount for the salary and full benefits, or I would have to walk. I had fun with the interview And afterward, I was packing up my computer and the materials when the project director came back in and offered me the position with full benefits and the exact amount of salary I had prayed about. So this was truly a God thing, and I knew I was where I needed to be, in the panhandle of Texas. Oh, my gosh, Allie. I love that. You know, I've heard that story before, but I could hear it over and over again. It's so yummy and delicious and (laughs) something we all hope for, right? Um, You know, before we get into what you're doing today, I do want to make sure that our listeners understand the path that you got to get there because you did a lot of things along the way to be able to do the work that you do today. So it probably makes sense for us to, if you would, sketch us those earlier years of, I know you were a principal and a teacher and all kinds of things. Will you help us understand the path that got you to that opportunity? Sure. After obtaining my BA, I became a teacher for five years in the classroom and taught ESL for the state of Idaho. Then I went and did an internship at the University of Idaho, became a grant facilitator for a school district. Then I worked uh, as a junior and senior high school principal, and then I went on to be a gifted and talented specialist. Then I went on to be a grant writer for an international company that focused on learning disabilities, and then I became the executive director here for Window on a Wider World. So, yes, all those experiences built on each other, and that's where I am today. Okay. I thought it was really important for our listeners to kind of understand the progression, because if you think about how far you've come and all the things you've done over the years, they they really do accumulate to where you are today at Window on a Wider World. So tell us more about this organization. What, what's its mission? How does it impact its students? All those kind of good things. Help us understand what the organization does. Sure. And I would say that Window on a Wider World, and you stated our mission earlier, is dedicated to enriching the education of students, elementary students, through arts, science, and cultural experiences. WOW works with 30 other nonprofit organizations. The impact on students is profound. Decades of research validate that students highly involved in the arts outperform students with little or no arts involvement. They achieve better grades. They have more positive attitudes about school. They're less likely to drop out of high school. Everything positive from arts integration. So the Arts Education Partnership, or the AEP, of which we are a member, has demonstrated academic, social, and personal benefits of arts education. And by arts education, I'm referring to the national core standards, which are dance and media arts and music and theater and visual arts. And you know, every child has a unique learning style. It could be visual, kinesthetic, auditory, spatial, mathematical, or a combination of those things. But knowing this from raising children, being a classroom teacher, and then as an administrator, I made it a priority to discover each child's learning style to help them master concepts and make those real-world connections 
But all the research for enriched education validates the importance of integrating the arts and music and movement throughout the whole curriculum, which means, in simple terms, that both sides of the brain are working together to help a person better understand math and science and literature and social studies and the humanities. So what does this do for children? Well, it impacts their learning. It raises test scores. It improves school attendance. It brings communities together. It does everything positive for education and learning. Mm. Gosh, it just sounds good. Can I be a student of yours? You can. I'd love to have you. I'd <laughs> <laughs> love to be in your classroom, any of your classrooms, Sally. Um, well, help us understand that this is a phenomenal program. I don't think I remember that 30 different organizations were involved, but tell us how the program developed. I think there's quite a history there. There is, and the WOW program is modeled after Big Thought Dallas. Although we're not the big city. We are basically rural. However, we took their successes and failures and we tweaked them for the Texas Panhandle and began many, many conversations with school districts and nonprofit organizations that provided education experiences for elementary children. The dilemma with nonprofits such as museums, the symphony, the opera, the ballet companies was that they would produce beautiful brochures they sent to schools about their programs. But those programs weren't booked. And you've got to know why not. Well, from experience as an educator, I can say that teachers do not have time to book outreach programs. They don't have time to schedule extra experiences that enhance what they're teaching. And quite honestly, they are concerned about testing Schools want to have their children exposed to enriched programs and engaged learning, and the WOW program was the answer. Mm. Well, I think the traction that you have developed over the years is amazing, and, and I applaud it. I, ha- I do some work here in Dallas around the education community as well and appreciate just what you have actually pulled off, Allie. Really, I mean, because I completely understand the challenges you're talking about in the classroom with teachers and their workload, et cetera, and what they're tasked with these days. So huge kudos for what your organization and you have done. Um, and, and to that end, I, if, can you tell us a little bit about I mean, I, I believe the organization launched in 2006, and I know it's grown a lot over the years. Can you help us understand that trajectory? I'll be glad to. I want to note to the listeners that the Amarillo Area Foundation provided the seed funding to develop the WOW program in 2005. So I had a year to put a team together to develop, create this. And in, nine, in, excuse me, in 2006, it began with three school districts within the Panhandle region known as Region 16. We didn't know if this program was going to work in a rural region or not, but we launched it. We had 12 partner organizations that year, and it was so successful that now, nine years later, we have grown to 30 school districts and 28 partner organizations, Uh, two more are on board for this next year, that provide enriched education experiences for children in kindergarten through fifth grade. School districts are invited to invest a minimal amount per child for the program so that they have skin in the game, and WOW provides the additional costs for administration from businesses and foundations and individuals. 
So who does all that connection work? I mean, getting somebody to go and meet with the decision makers who can actually pull those budget purse strings, I know that's a huge job. Is that your job? Who, who does that? That is my job, uh, I, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And because my background is a teacher and an administrator, I talk the language. I can talk the language to those superintendents. And so we invite a few districts each year to participate in the program, and I make a scheduled visit to talk to them about the program and what it will do for their children. And, um, you know, for next year we already have uh, – Two more school districts that are on board, so we're growing for next year. And it's exciting because I know what this does for kids. I know that those children out in the rural sections of, you know, anywhere USA do not get these enriched experiences. So that's why we partner with other nonprofit organizations. We facilitate their programs as well. In fact, on our website, there's called an educator's resource guide that has all the programs that we facilitate, including the ones that we host, and there are about 180 of them. So teachers have a lot to choose from, and about a third of those travel to the school. So there you have, you're taking away that extra expense in busing and time out of class, and these children would never have these opportunities outside of this program. Mm-hmm. And just because I am serving on a board here in Dallas that does is trying to do some similar things that you're doing there in, in, in a different fashion, I think about all what we're tasked to do to try to even keep track of all that there. How do you keep track of the programs, the kids that are involved, the impact that it's making? What's that process like? I have a wonderful director of development, and I have a staff of retired teachers who are assigned to each school, and they maintain the communication and book the programs, and they keep in touch with the schools. So, uh, again, you know, it's, it's a good thing that we have technology, that we can track these things and do surveys after programs and keep that base going to keep the improvements there and to tweak what we're doing. So it all works. So you have an army is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. But, it does require an army. But my staff works efficiently, and I have a wonderful board of directors. I can't say enough good about them. Mm. It takes a team. Yeah, yeah, get the right people on, in, the, in the right seats on the bus, as, as Collins likes to say, right? Yeah, um, you know. That makes a big difference. Um, well, one of the things I'm intrigued with as well, just talking about the about the organization still, is is I have to imagine since you've grown a lot over the years that the organization maybe looks differently than it does in the, in the beginning than it does now. Maybe serves a different group than it than it than it did in the beginning. Can you talk to us a little bit about how maybe it's changed in terms of its focus or who the organization serves? The focus is still there, and we do serve elementary children. That's our focus. It's on elementary children because. The research that was done prior to me coming to the Texas Panhandle indicated that the enriched arts programs were almost non-existent at the elementary level. So Window on a Wider World fills that gap. And uh, as I said before, we facilitate about 180 programs this year. It's made a positive impact in the lives of our children. And a third of them are outreach and travel 
to school campuses, the feedback that I get from school administrators in the early years of the program affirmed that they needed more programs that came to their campuses. Each year, we also host a luncheon with our partner organizations to bring the successes and concerns to the table. And without missing a beat, they created and developed more programs that traveled to schools. So that's a win-win for nonprofits and schools. And as I said before, I hire retired teachers called WOW reps who are familiar with curriculum and who want to stay connected in some way to children. So WOW reps are assigned each WOW school to help answer their questions, choose appropriate programs, and plan for the entire year during the fall booking day each September. WOW schools are given free seating at the Globe News Center for the Performing Arts for programs that we host. They get an opportunity of a children's author for writing workshops on their campus for half day at no charge. There's no fee for the fifth grade for the WOW schools, fifth graders of WOW schools who attend the WOW Science Collaborative at the Panhandle Plains Museum. There's no fee to the WOW resident artist that we now have, a program with a retired principal named Tom Panger. And we also offer a WOW Youth Art Show for fourth and fifth graders. And we had 66 entries our first time last fall with over 1,000 people attending. There were 12 winners, and each of those winners received $100 and a matching $100 for their school to purchase art supplies. So we're trying to plug the holes in the fine arts. You know that Wow Youth Art Show was an amazing success, and we're looking forward to the second annual Youth Art Show this coming first Friday of December and anticipate twice the entries that we had last fall. We also offer no fee for an annual professional development opportunity, which gives educators the tools for integrating the arts and the science and the cultural experiences into the core curriculum. The professional development opportunity also gives them continuing education credit hours for gifted and talented, and they all need that. The beauty of WOW is the equity for all children to experience enriched education programs and to make those lifelong learning connections, which prepares our children for tomorrow because it's a challenging world. It, it sure is. And, you know, I wish I, I wish you just had a little bit more excitement and passion about your work, Allie. Just a little. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, it is time for a short break here. I've been on the air with Allie Teagues, who is the executive director at Window on a Wider World. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. After the break, I want to hear more about you and your personal connection to your work, Allie. We'll talk then. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style. Be the star you are. Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Allie Teeks, who is the Executive Director at Window on a Wider World, and she is, shall we say, slightly exuberant and passionate about her work there. She's been narrating just what the organization does and how it impacts students and their educational journeys. Just amazing work that, that you and the organization are doing. From here, Allie, I really want to hear about you and your personal connection to the work. Um, so let's start with Maybe what are some of the joys of doing what you're doing now? You've been involved in lots of things. I don't know if you want to talk about your current your current work at Window in a Wider World or your career overall, but let's talk about some of those joys that you've experienced. Well, the joys for me in my career, it's always a joy to see children experience a world-class performing arts venue when they arrive for a program at the Globe News Center for the Performing Arts here in Amarillo. Their eyes light up with anticipation of getting to come to see a national or an international program. And a lot of these rural schools, they come, these children are just delightful. They'll come in their best dressed, and you know that their teachers have gone over theater etiquette with them because they come in here so well-behaved. Some of these children never leave their rural counties. So truly, WOW gives them such a broader window on a much wider world than they ever dreamed. I have a great staff. That's another joy. They are so enjoyable to work with. And I have volunteers that are wonderful, and a lot of my volunteers are retired teachers. I value them beyond words, and I cannot say adequately how much I appreciate my board of directors. The bottom line, I guess, is that I know what this program does for children. It really does take a village to raise a child. Someone made that famous, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) They did, yes. I have a great team that works 
together successfully, providing alternative ways of teaching and learning, making those lifelong connections for every student to better prepare them for tomorrow. And like I said, we are raising our children in a challenging world. Mm-hmm. We certainly are. Well, one of the things that I've learned in my own research, Allie, around I've interviewed those 115 people around their work, what they what they like about it, how they're connected to it. What I've learned from that experience is that when you do experience work on this high level of fulfillment and engagement, it's not always easy. It's not easy to get there. It's not easy to stay there. So tell, tell us about some of the challenges that you deal with. I would say the challenge that we face at WOW is meeting with superintendents who do not fully understand the value of enriched education experiences and perhaps are reticent about investing in the program. But I will say this, they usually come around later when they communicate with their colleagues that have invested in the program and they understand the outcomes and the advantages that WOW provides. But initially, it can be frustrating to know that school districts invest a great deal of funding for athletics and seemingly don't question that. So I would say the challenges with school administrators that have been former coaches are probably the most difficult to meet with, and it becomes a real paradigm shift. I've been in their shoes, but the question becomes, what is good for our children? What gives our children a balanced and enriched education? I don't think anyone would disagree that they need all of it and be exposed to those enriched experiences to be balanced. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about that reticence. I have to believe that you meet people that are like, you know, I'm sure you can probably produce all kinds of figures and data that, that illustrate why the program is important, but still the, the naysayers that are like, hmm, but still... You know, it seems a little wiggly, a little soft. And I wondered about that, Allie. I really did wonder about how often you encounter that. I would think that given your longer standing history there, that maybe it's easier with time, but is it? You know, I'm glad you asked that, Elise, because we're finding now, this probably happened in year number seven for us. We started having school districts call us wanting Mm. to know how to get involved, that their neighboring superintendent in the next district over was telling them about this program. And I have to say that now it's promoting itself, and the school districts that are on board uh, for this next year have truly contacted us first. And so then I've met with the superintendent, and, you know, they, okay, where do I sign? (laughs) Give me the contract. And it's exciting now to see Mm. that, you know, the paradigm shift is, is focused now on what's best for the children, and they can see the validity of what this program does for their children. Isn't that exciting? It's fantastic. It is. I was hoping you would say something like that, but I wasn't sure if there really was that momentum behind you. I would hope so, given what you've done all of these years. But if you get new people coming in, sometimes I wonder if maybe they take a little bit longer to maybe get their head around things. I'm not sure. If new people coming into the panhandle that maybe don't have that perspective, I would imagine it's maybe more of your challenge. Is that true? 
I would say that new people coming into the Panhandle region as administrators... Yes, that's what I mean. ...who have not heard about the program want to hear about the program. Oh, really? Interesting. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I will say this, too, that the bigger school districts here in the Panhandle, such as Canyon and Amarillo... Uh, have not totally bought into the program. I don't know what that uh, conundrum would be, although there are schools that are interested in this district because in Amarillo there are 30-some elementary schools and only four have been on board with us. Mm. Uh, and, And it makes me wonder that maybe administrators think, well, they already have those things right here in the bigger city. But the truth is, and I've heard this from administrators in those wealthier schools, that even though those schools have the funding, they don't have the title funds, and there are two-income families that children go home to, and when they go home to two-income families, the parents want to stay home. So they don't take them to those enriched experiences. And isn't that just almost an oxymoron? Yeah, it sure is. Wow, that's really interesting. Another part of your, your opportunity, right? That's another part it's of your an opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, to, to kind of get us, we're coming to a close here. I don't get too much time left with you, but I really also want to, to hear from you, Allie. I did ask you about the joys of your career, but I want to go a little bit deeper than that for our listeners. I want you to, if you would, tell us about the, the things that you find really meaningful and why those are important to you. So I'm kind of trying to understand where's Allie and her work. I've got a pretty good idea, but I'm looking for you to help us really explain it. Sure. Well, it's all meaningful to me because it involves children. And I know that what this does for children in the classroom, I know that if they're exposed to these experiences, it plants a dream. It gives them hope that someday I could be on that stage or someday I want to play a violin or someday, who knows, what dreams are planted at the elementary level. So I'm in the process now of writing the story about, wow, how it came to be and what it could evolve into for our children. I believe the process needs to be shared for other communities. And by doing so, it will be enlightening for them to launch their own program using our successes and building upon them for children anywhere in the world. So for your listeners, if you would like to develop a similar program for your area of the world, I would uh, highly encourage you to get in touch with us. Uh, with me, visit our website at windowonawiderworld.org. You may be the next person to make a positive impact in your community by grabbing hold of the opportunity, no matter your age or stage of life. And that's the meaningful, deeper part of this, is that I hope that there are listeners that say, we need that for our community. I wonder what steps they took. I wonder if we could do it for our community. Mm-hmm. So that's the pearl of wisdom I would leave you with uh, for today, Elise. I'm hoping that, you know, there's interest because we have this opportunity 
to engage our children and make the world a better place for the next generation. So. I love that. I absolutely love that, Pearl. I do have a little bit more time with you, so I do want to extract a little bit more from you still because I'm I'm interested in, in a couple more things in that. And I love the idea that you've opened this up to the listeners who may want to reach out to you and say, hey, what do you think? Could we do it here? I love being able to facilitate those kind of conversations when people come on my show and somebody hears something. It's happened several times now, and I love it each and every time. So, yes, listeners, you can reach out to Allie Teagues, and I'll, I'll say her, her website later on again for you as well in case you missed it the last time. But in our last little bit here, Allie, I also want to ask you, because I think that your your journey is so powerful and so inspirational to people out there that maybe haven't found or haven't realized their dreams or feel like they're way out of reach, I wonder, and I don't know what the answer is because we've not talked about this, do you feel like this is the work that you were supposed to be doing? Is this what you're, why you're here? Yes, I do feel that the steps that took me to get here, this is very fulfilling for me. And like the old adage that, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one <laughs> bite at a time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I don't want to eat an elephant, but, you know, the analogy there is you take baby steps. You take the steps that get you closer to what you want to do. And the opportunities are out there. It may be that you find an opportunity through a friend. You may find it through a website. You may find it just uh, stumbling upon something online. You could find it in conversations with your friends and neighbors. But you just take those pieces, those little gold nuggets, and tuck them away and act on them. You know, Mm -hmm. don't let them sit, but act on them and see where they lead you. So... Um, for me, it was a bite at a time. It was mm-hmm. one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I love that, Allie. You have been such an amazing guest, and I knew you would be, but I wanted also our listeners to hear that in the finish. In, in many ways, what I would say, according to the research that I've done, is I have a mode of engagement called living your purpose, and to me, that's what it sounds like you're at. That's what you're doing. Um, you, The energy, the motivation that you radiate, Allie, is just beautiful. It's just who wouldn't want to follow you? Who wouldn't want to be in your tribe? And I'm so grateful that you shared your perspective on your, your, your journey, how you put off going to college and starting your career until you'd raised your children. That was really important to you. I think also, too, when you talked about when you your job as a mom, your, your focus was, I want to do this to the very best of my ability. That's my focus. And then the, the journey that you gave us where you told us about how you'd gone about your, your education, it was very thoughtful. It was very mindful. Yes, you took advantage of things that came your way, but I really think that what you've imparted for our listeners is a way forward, and that one bite at a time really is a great way to think about it. So... I got so many things out of this this interview, Ellie, and I knew I would. So thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure, Elise. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Oh, you will. Well, um, so a few more fun things about, about, about Allie can be found out on her website. She mentioned it earlier, but please do visit. It's window on a wider world. Dot org. Lots of really good things in there. There's also a video of Allie speaking as well, so you can see what she looks like versus just listening to her, which is great. Um, next week, we're going to be on the air with Donald Thompson, who calls himself the unlikely CEO. And he's, in fact, writing a book with that very same title. What I loved about his story and, and learning about him, and you'll learn more about it yourself when you listen in, is that his early path of playing football in college kind of stopped when he was 19. He decided to leave college, start his sales career at 19, 
and he had a torrent of focus and determination that came with it. And now today in his mid-40s, he's a very successful CEO. He has lots of great things to share with us. And then later down the week, I'm, after him, I'm going to be talking to a brewer. So if you don't want to hear about business or education, you might want to tune in for beer. I don't know. But <laughs> all kinds of fun things to learn from these people are really who are navigating their world of work in a way that really is purposeful for them. So when you, when you think about that, when you come to Tuna, that's what I hope that's on your mind. So come back and join us for the next dialogue next week and thereafter. And remember that work is one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.